tell you, uh, folks are telling me you're, you're going to split the vote. We're going to get a Democrat because you allow all these candidates to come in. You know what? Get your own church. I, I, I don't tell people to leave a campaign. If God calls them, I'm not going to question that. And our, our job is they govern by our consent. And how, how are we going to vote for them? We don't know who they are. So, so if you want to manipulate and do like the rest of the folks do with your heavy-handedness, forget it. It doesn't happen here. And, and we, we closed it just simply because of time. But I am so grateful for you guys. And may the Lord protect you and use you and bless you. And listen, we're going to get a new governor. If it's you, praise the Lord. I, I just, I, I'm stoked to meet you. And your family is freaking stunning. So, all right. God bless you guys. All right, um, along the lines of what Anthony was talking about uh, with the uh, mandates, I wanted to read this to you. <clears throat> As you know, um, we, we, our cross-complaint got tossed by the judge. Uh, he dismissed it, and our attorney, uh, Bob Tyler, he's a pit bull for Jesus. He said, uh, based on Newsom's arguments in your case were using his arguments to seek an end to the state of emergency directly in the California Supreme Court. We filed a writ of petition this afternoon. The press release goes out tomorrow morning referencing God speak, please read it. You may get called by the media. We have Newsom cornered legally, just need the courts to do their job for once. And basically they argued that there is no state of emergency so our writ is then lift the state of emergency. You can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. I mean this is, this is legal doublespeak and it's so frustrating and the judges need to do their job and they work for we the people and and we're going to send a shock wave that governor needs to be removed immediately in addition we have a recall on the supervisor that violated our first amendment and they, they, they say, what a waste of taxpayer money to have an election for recall. You know, she didn't think about that when she hired an attorney to come after us with taxpayer money. And all of a sudden, money matters. It was vindictive, it was wrong, and she needs to go. And we're working hard. And folks, you need to be a part of that. So listen. <clears throat> all right. And now you guys are going, well, what about church? Well, this... Listen, we don't do this, there won't be church. And, and uh, the folks who want to complain about how we're handling things, you know what? Again, get your own church. I just, I, I'm so tired of it. I mean, we're, we're, we're contending for our lives here. The, the last variant of COVID is going to be totalitarianism. You look at the CDC manual, and I'm not making this up. This isn't hyperbole, this is reality. They, they have designated, set to go, in the process, if necessary, camps. If you, it, this has a 99.5% survival rate with 70 and under, with no comorbidities. And, and they're, they're forcing vaccinations. More deaths have occurred from this shot than all vaccination deaths combined since 1986. And if you've received the vaccination... Uh, this isn't pro-vax or, or anti-vax. This is pro-liberty. And, and listen, if you've got the vaccination, if it's so good, why are you afraid of me not having it? You know, I have no fear. And, and, if, and if you're immune from it because that shot's so effective, which I guess it needs six or seven boosters. <laughs> Folks, do you understand what's happening here? 
And that's why we are pushing to, to put forward all these folks. And from the last meeting with frontline doctors, a number of our first responders came up and said, they are going to mandate us to do this. We're going to lose our jobs. They're going to remove our livelihood. We have, we have kids in this, in this fellowship that have lost their scholarships. They, they worked hard. Athletic scholarships, they earned them and they lost them. This has to stop. And everyone needs to do their part. And, and so we put this together. These firefighters, uh, first responders, uh, police and fire, they came. They said, three of us got together and, and we have a, a text string now. And it's grown to like over 1,000 people. Can we do an event at the church? And I'm like, when? They said, August 20th. I'm like, man, that's a short runway. Can you get all the doctors you had last time? Oh, yeah, let me just work on that one, you know. <laughs> the difficult done immediately, the impossible by appointment only. We got it done. They're coming. And then we also just threw Charlie Kirk on top of all of it. So it's like win <laughs> all over the place. Okay. Folks, all of you need to be aware of this and stand. And we have to push back to this tyranny. And I share this because today's a special day. I love, I love baptism Sundays. And the reason why is because, as we did in the last service and also Saturday night, folks have come to a place in their life where they have, they have been moved by the teachings of Jesus Christ. They've been touched by the freedom that he brings. They've been touched by the redemption that he establishes in our life. He cleanses us of all unrighteousness. He pays the penalty for our sin. His righteousness is put on our account. He's the propitiation, which is a big word that I'm not gonna explain, and if you don't know what it is, do your homework. But he's the redeemer. And I, and I love this about the Lord. Folks say that, that our, our baptisms are shallow and that you know we're not really baptizing solid Christians. I, I'm... I'm getting to a place where I think to myself, does the church do anything else but complain? Because we profess the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, that there's, there's no, name, no other name under heaven by which we must be saved but that of Jesus Christ. We've never shied from that. We've never compromised that. And the folks that you're gonna see coming forward, it's interesting because the church in America for the last 50 years has been committed to this idea of conversion. If you profess me before man, I'll profess you before my Father in heaven. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, raise your hand. Everyone says, God bless you, I see your hand. God bless you, I see your hand. That's a good thing, we do that. But the Lord didn't say make converts. He said make disciples. He didn't just say make disciples. He said, make disciples of all nations. Those, those are constitutions, ideologies, borders, boundaries, contending for freedom of man. 66 books of the Bible, he's come to set the captives free. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Whatever is true, whatever things are true, the word whatever means whatever. And it says to expose their evil deeds. And so as we do this and we're contending with culture, Folks, it, it's cost them something. It's called the cost of discipleship. When you stand and you're, and you're baptized publicly, especially in this church, it's interesting. A lot of folks have been baptized. They go home and, and they rent and their landlord says, you, you, you can't rent here anymore. They've lost their homes. They've lost their jobs. That's the cost of discipleship. And what cost was that? Well, they were 
contending and standing for truth. And the lie can't survive in the presence of truth, so it needs to cancel. And the men and women who come forward aren't governed by fear, as most of the world is these days. They're governed by courage. People say, I'm so discouraged. You know what discouraged is, the word? It means without courage. Well, then get some. (laughs) If you're bummed out, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you need another verse? You're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Do you need another verse? God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Do you need another verse? We can go all day. (laughs) You see, the Lord has placed you for such a time as this. And the folks that are going to be coming up momentarily for baptism are making a public profession of faith. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. And he, he, he gives this command. He says, repent and be baptized. Baptism isn't unto salvation in our belief. Baptism is a public profession of faith, telling the world you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're not ashamed. And as, and as you, you go into the water, it represents the grave, and when you come out, you're a new creature in Christ, and the old is past and the new has come. And, and the critical component for all who are being drawn here, and it, it's interesting that the people, especially you're gonna see some baptized today, you would have never thought they would have darkened the doors of a church. They, they would have said that of, of me 40 years ago, the same thing. But they've been moved by something. They've been moved by a real faith expressed by the men and women present. That they would stand in defiance of tyranny and enslavement because Christ has come to set the captives free. They stand on their behalf. They contend for the protesters that protest against them that they would have that freedom to protest. They contend for the businesses who've been shuttered and they go and they support them and they encourage them and they bless them. And then these men and women look and say, in a world that is absolutely enveloped by fear, why in the world are you not afraid? And they say, what am I to be afraid of? If God is for me, nothing and no one can be against me. No weapon fashioned against me will prosper. I mean, I'm immortal until God's done with me. If they threaten me with death, they're threatening me with heaven. We hold on really tight to this world and they give us just a little crumb and they say, if you obey, you'll get another crumb. But the Lord has come that you might have life and life more abundant. The Imago Dei is the image of God that you would experience the fullness of what he intended for you, that our children would be free. A nation that's given freedom, I mean, we didn't have the same amount of natural resources as South America, but our nation was founded by people seeking religious freedom. South America was founded by folks seeking money and gold. South America has far more natural resources. America has far less. Yet 245 years of unprecedented freedom, more patents, more Nobel Peace Prize winners, more symphonies. If you're in an elevator, it was designed by an American. If it's an air-conditioned building, it was designed by an American. If invented by an American, if you flew to that country to go into that elevator, to go into that building that has that air conditioning, it was invented by an American. When you give mankind freedom, the limitations are endless. I mean, it's just amazing what man can accomplish. 
But only a moral people can govern a republic, and the church is required to stand as a bulwark for that liberty. And we've forgotten that. And now folks are coming in droves. They've never been to a church before, and they're coming. Because intrinsic in every human heart is liberty. Not necessarily wanting to fight for it, but we do want to have it. As Anthony pointed out, his parents immigrated from Cuba, fleeing, put together any, anything that floated. What they do to come to this country, but when you bind the strong man, you plunder the goods, there's no place left to run to. 80 cents in every dollar in evangelism comes from the United States of America. They want to shut this down and they want to do it quick. And the church needs to rise to this occasion and God is filling the church with people who previously had never darkened the doors of a church. They've come to realize that not only is God a God of liberty, for where the spirit of the Lord is there's liberty, but he's also a God that forgives. We all come into this room with a past. It won't take us long to figure out what a mess each of us is. If you think very highly of yourself, Give us a moment. We'll show a videotape. And you know it. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's an archer's term, bullseye, where the arrow lands. Archers call it the sin distance. How far the arrow's fallen from perfection. All religions in the world is trying to hit the bullseye. But Christianity is God moves the bullseye to where your arrow is. He gives you his righteousness. He spans the distance by his grace and his mercy. He's a merciful God, but he's just. The wages of sin is death. So to redeem us, let me say that word clearly, to redeem us, the price had to be paid. There's a penalty. And Christ paid that penalty because the wages of sin is death. He died in our place. That cross is, is, is not decorative. We wear it as jewelry, but it is the most evil way any human could ever die. The slowest form of death ever invented, the most painful form of death ever invented. And Christ endured that because he loves you. He's come to set you free from, from your greatest slave master, yourself. He allows you to die to yourself and live to him. He gives you a new a new life. You get to forget what's behind and strive for what is ahead and take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of you. We're never gonna be sinless, but the amazing thing is, is he gives us his moral law so we can live together in a modicum of freedom in a world that seeks to enslave. The enemy comes to steal, steal our freedom, kill, kill our babies and destroy destroyed that which has been created in the image of God. And I love that word redeem. He's come to redeem. As we've been reading through the Anchored series, the Lord put on my heart the book of Ruth. Ruth is fascinating. She's the great-grandmother of David, the giant killer. David who slew Goliath, his great-grandmother was Ruth. His great-grandfather was Boaz. And Ruth 
came to Boaz and she was impoverished. And they were related through Naomi. And there's an interesting concept in Judaism. It's called a kinsman redeemer. A kinsman redeemer avenges, ransoms. They act as the kinsman, the next of kin. They come and they, they pay the penalty for a family member. If, if a brother's widow, it, it, by marrying a brother's widow to beget a child for him, to continue the, the lineage, this is all outlined. You can see it in many passages of scripture. The, the, kin, the kinsman, the, the family member, comes and redeems someone who has been sold into slavery, bondage, servitude. They come to redeem family land that has been mortgaged and was foreclosed on. They come to exact vengeance and restore the family name. They redeem by payment. And, and the idea is this is what God has established. And he lays it out in many passages in the scripture, specifically in Leviticus. I, I like Leviticus 25, 48. The kinsman redeemer was responsible to buy a fellow Israelite out of slavery. In Numbers 35, 19, the kinsman redeemer was responsible for the avenger of blood to make sure that a murder of a family member answered to the crime. Leviticus 25, 25, the kinsman redeemer was responsible to buy back family land that had been forfeited. Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 through 10, the kinsman redeemer was responsible to carry on the family name by marrying a childless widow. And what's so interesting about the story of Ruth is that this impoverished woman came to this man and he was her kin. And she pleaded with him, and you can read this in Ruth chapter 3. I'll read you a portion of it. Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you? And the word security is, is what you want for a home. It's the absence of fear. That it may be well with you. Now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative, meaning our kinsman? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight on the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he finished eating and drinking. And then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go in, uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what you should do. It, it, it's not some weird dating game. This is actually a, a, a custom in Israel. And the idea is it's submission. I'm, I'm, it's like Jesus washing the disciples' feet. I'm yielded, I'm at your service. And, and as Ruth says to, to Naomi, all that you say to me, I will do. And so she went down to the threshing floor. She did this. And Boaz said, I'll be your kinsman redeemer. He says, there's one ahead of me, but if they deny their responsibility, I'll take on the responsibility. And he redeemed her, restored the name. This kinsman redeemer in, 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 in Hebrew means goel. 
And I want to take a look at a couple of passages to prepare us for baptism. Jesus is your kinsman, redeemer, for all who are coming to receive Christ and be baptized. He's paid the penalty. He's restored you. He purchased you off the slave block of sin by his blood that was shed on the cross for the remission of your sins. He's given you a family. He's restored your good name. He's also the saved of the uttermost, those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. He's a living God. He's at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for you. There isn't anywhere he won't go to redeem you. Some of you thought, you know, God could never forgive me. You don't know God because he loves you until your very last heartbeat on this earth and he will pursue you as a hound from heaven. In the last place he wants you to be is hell. He wants to redeem you from eternal slavery and damnation. He wants to set you free. Job said, for I know my redeemer lives and he shall stand at last on the earth and after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I shall see God whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall not behold not another and how my heart yearns within me. And Job is the oldest book in the Bible. It predates Genesis. And Job understood redemption. He understood that God came to forgive and to cleanse. And these are the passages I read earlier of what the kinsman redeemer does. But as we conclude, I want you to see what the Lord does for you and why he's your kinsman redeemer. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Only God could deliver us from cosmic sin that we committed against him and him alone. And when he declared that the penalty as a just God for sin was death, he died for you for me and when we receive that that offer of in a sense with Ruth and Boaz that offer of marriage that we would be the bride of Christ that that we receive this redemption to be our redeemer our kinsman redeemer that that he he would restore we have to receive it Ruth Ruth could have said you know Boaz thanks but no thanks Everyone has to make that decision. The Lord offers it to you. The Bible says you believe in your heart, you confess with your tongue, Jesus is Lord. You will be saved to the glory of the Father. And he begins this work. He who began this work is faithful to complete it. And he's, he's making men and women of freedom. He's making men and women of courage. He's making men and women whose name matters. They're men and women of substance and of character in a world that doesn't have any. They're men and women who love truth when the world despises it and tries to crush it. And that's why you can see someone like Ruth being the great-grandmother of David, who the line of the tribe of Judah in the hallways of heaven, his name is declared. And from that lineage comes Jesus, your kinsman redeemer. He comes to forgive you. And the men and women being baptized, they want you to know that there's nothing more important in all their life than giving their life to the Lord. They are followers of Jesus Christ.
by public profession, they are associating themselves with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, no matter what the cost. And they want you to know that because they want you to know where the freedom is. We're just beggars showing other beggars where the food is. And that food, the bread of life, is Jesus Christ. If he's your savior and you've never been baptized and you didn't come prepared, trust me. We had some folks come in and I think a tuxedo last service, I don't know. <laughs> just, just come in your clothes. We got towels. You're gonna be wet. It's California, relax. <laughs> he went to the cross for you. You can go to the water for him. Lord, thank you for those men and women who are about to declare a public profession of faith. They understand that you are their kinsman redeemer. You have restored their life. You have cast their sin as far as east is from the west to be remembered no more. They're new creatures in Christ. They know that the water represents the grave. They go in dead to themselves. They come out alive unto you. No longer afraid, but empowered by your spirit with power, love, and a sound mind. They've exchanged fear for faith. And that courage has enveloped them. They love you and they want the world to know it and they're not ashamed of the gospel for it's a power unto salvation for all who would believe. And they want to live their life every day that remains on this earth, how brief it might be, in the span of eternity, they want to live it for the truth, to declare it, defend it, and not compromise. And so, Lord, we pray for them. We ask your blessing upon them. May they never forget this day as long as they live until they see you face to face. Lord, thank you for the great privilege to baptize. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to start. Uh, we got the folks all in. Just line up over here. We had like 30 last time. Was close, I don't know. Line up, and uh, Pastor Rick's going to be doing the Duncan. I did it first service. I'm getting a little break. If, if you wanted me to baptize you, wait till third. I'll, I'll be back up. Uh, but uh, let's do it. We'll worship the Lord.